The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! There aren't enough examples of people later in life becoming entrepreneurs. If you think about what the gold standard of entrepreneurism is, young people who are living off of ramen noodles, like coming up with the next big idea, and it's very glamorous sounding, not the ramen noodles part, but just like this idea of getting funding and just being able to work on your thing. But that actually makes it harder for somebody like myself, who, when we were raising our Series C, was eight months pregnant and had spent time at all of these different companies. And so there's something also to be said for maybe having a few gray hairs, having a little bit of experience, and then taking a leap. There's no one way to do it. And it's, I think, the more that we can showcase these different examples, hopefully people see themselves in it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. Today, we're sitting down with Seema Sistani to talk all things health, wellness, weight loss, weight watchers, debunking myths, going through truths. And just having an all-around conversation about bettering yourself and feeling good. Some of the topics we cover on this show are how to find a job that you love, losing weight after childbirth, how Weight Watchers works, how accountability contributes to weight loss journey, changing behaviors to create healthy eating habits, and when medical intervention is necessary. This episode goes all over the place. We really enjoy talking to Seema. This is for anyone that wants to level up and just feel great about themselves. With that, Seema, welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. I have so many different ways I can go with this conversation. I don't (laughs) even know where to start. But I think what would help is you've done so many different career iterations. Talk to us about that. Mm -hmm. What was your first moment of sticking your toe in a in a massive career. You your career is of- like that meme with the the map with the guy like yeah. showing <laughs> it's multifaceted. Yeah. Well, I think if you look at it in hindsight, it makes more sense than as I was going through it. I I was less intentional as I was going through it. And I'll and I'll say I'll tell you why. Actually, I had a a managing director and my first job was at Goldman Sachs uh, after school and she told me that you are going to spend more time at your job than you are with your family, with your friends, eating, sleeping. So you better fucking love it. And that stuck with me. And so from then on, I was constantly on a search for growth, curiosity, like just waking up every morning excited about the work that I was going to be doing. You know, the last 10 years have been around digitizing social relationships mostly. The time before that was I would say I would describe it as like building the foundations of just being a professional. So Goldman Sachs Creative Artists Agency. I worked at a couple of startups. I spent time at Yahoo and Tumblr. The last thing that I was doing right before joining Weight Watchers, I'd co-founded a startup called House Party, which was a group video chat app. It was really popular, especially during COVID. We were, real, we were all about bringing people together in real life when physically apart. And obviously, during COVID, we were never more physically apart. Ended up selling that company to Epic Games, which makes the game Fortnite. Your kids aren't old enough yet to be on Fortnite. But that was like the ultimate challenge of digitizing social. That was like the whole third space and the metaverse and thinking about that. And 
So yeah, I guess that brings me to today where I'm at Weight Watchers. <laughs> when you started at startups, yeah. what does that look like? Because I think if someone hears the word Yahoo or Tumblr, they automatically think glamour. And I would love for you to really pull the veil off of it because I know there's a lot of work that goes involved in planning. The veil around just like tech, you mean? Or like you're at these startups, you're at Yahoo, you're at Tumblr. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like a very glamorous job, but what's the nitty gritty of it? Right. Well, so when I was at Yahoo, I wouldn't call it a startup, far from it. But but at house parties. But the ho- yeah, at, the, at that point, the startup life is definitely not glamorous. It's an emotional roller coaster. I mean, you, you all have been privy to it when you're building a business. It it really takes over your life. What it also offers is just like you come from it's like your baby. You're trying to you're trying to build something. You're trying to you help it grow and put it out in the world in a way that it's just going to, you know, have impact. The thing that I love more than even like the actual product is the team and growing the team and the mission and just having a sense of purpose. But it's it's not sexy. It's the opposite of that. It's like a lot of times, again, looking back in hindsight, you can see a a hockey stick of growth. But if you like pull up, you see it go up and down and up and down and up and down. And each one of those downs is everybody like going to the mats, figuring out what's wrong. Um you know, coming up with a strategy to build back up. And the moment that you've built it back up, something else hits you. It's a constant cat and mouse game startup life is. When you look at all the the companies that you've worked at, what's the common denominator between all of them of what makes them successful or not successful? I think that if you have an amazing operating model, that's like the key to it. You can have the best strategy, the best product, but if you don't have the right team, and the right execution, it's not going to happen. What I find so interesting about your career is it's so eclectic and you've been in big organizations, you've founded big companies, you've you know, been hired as a CEO and others. When, when you're, if you're in hindsight, there's a lot of young people that write and say, hey, I'm trying to find my passion or I need to find what I love. And they just don't know. Mm. At what point in your career did you, did you figure out like, oh, this is the kind of thing that I like to do? And how did you do Was it something that you stumbled into or is it something you knew all along? We're like, I'm always this kind of operator. Or we're like, you needed to taste a bunch of different things before you figured out kind of what your path was. So I think it's about seeing what's out there. But also in my career, the best ways to learn has been in service of others. So I, you, th- you have to come to every opportunity and every role with a low ego and say, how can I help better this team? How can I help better this work? How can I help better this product? And put yourself all in. Because if you're spending all of your energy trying to figure out if at that moment, if it's the right thing for you or not, then that's your your lens is wrong. Like you're you're going to, you're you're constantly calibrating in the wrong direction versus I think that it's better to be intentional and set kind of milestones for yourself of like, okay, I'm going to check in. Is How am I feeling about where I am? Am I growing? Am I curious? Am I excited? But until that checkpoint comes, be all in. So for me, it was a little bit of doing everything. I did business development for a while. I did partnerships for a while. I did product for a while. And I sat on different parts of the like the the operating stack, whether that was finance or at the agency, that was like a whole different experience in deal making. Understanding those different verticals helped me kind of figure out what I'm, not only what I'm excited about, but what I'm good at. And then the key now as a leader is knowing what I'm not good at 
and being able to find the right people to help like build the right mosaic for us to execute. The reason I ask is I think Lauren and I are different in the sense that from day one, she kind of like always knew her thing and what her passion was and what she was excited about. And for me, I've kind of had to, I've had an eclectic career where I've had to go around and be like, what do I actually like to do? And when people ask us about how to figure this out, that's kind of been my answer. It's like I tasted a bunch of different things. Like yeah. sometimes it was finance, sometimes it was manufacturing, yeah. sometimes it was talking, sometimes it was product. And it wasn't until I kind of like mashed them all together that I figured out my thing. It took a while. It's so individual. Like it's also is very dependent on like what Enneagram you are or like what type of person you are. So you and I seem to be similar in that we had to go kind of see the world to to yep. end up where we were at. And you knew right away. And I think that you find that in marriage too, right? Somebody who I've got friends who married their significant other and the in 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 college and then others who went out and dated a bunch of different people, had a wide variety of experience and then found their partner after that time. I feel like the professional landscape is kind of similar in that way. Friendships, you know, it's it's very personal. My story is just like what worked for me. Yeah, I just remember getting so frustrated when I was younger. It was like, oh, just change it. And I was like, I don't know what it is. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are like that. Some people are lucky where they're like Lauren and they just know. But for me, it wasn't the case. But I think the the key is if you are one of those people who needs to go try it out, or if you happen to be a Swiss army knife and you're, you can do a lot of different things is just to remember to be in the moment. I find a lot of times, especially now working with, you know, a wide variety of people, the ones who are the happiest are present. They're not always searching for the next, next thing. It really means about being present, be dedicated Find the moments in what you're doing where you can personally grow, but check in with yourself. Am I still growing in my job? Am I still curious in my job? Am I still having fun in my job? I think that's incredible advice. I think if you are a really young person and you're listening and you're, you really have no idea, like Michael, what you want to do, a really good tip, and I say this a lot, but it really does work, is getting a service industry job where you work at night, like say you're a bartender, or cocktail mm-hmm. server, waitress. And then using the day to find what it is that lights you up. I think a lot of people give advice and they're like, well, go work for like a bunch of different people as an intern and see what you like. I actually would flip it, Mm. make your money in the service industry and use your days to figure out what it is that that lights you up. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that it's a great way to be efficient with time, because usually the job is from like three to nine, three to ten. And then you have the whole day. Yeah. So I I think that's a good tip, too, for young people. Well, now it's just there's so much there's so much opportunity. Right. And you can build in all different kinds of ways and it doesn't take a ton of investment. So I think that, you know, especially now that type of advice like works even better. You can have a lot of leverage off of your day. Yeah, you're you're right. I think there's never been as much opportunity as there now, but some people get overwhelmed by that optionality. This is like they, you know, they can just jump to so many things where then sometimes you lack focus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have siblings and I'm always like, hey, listen, like you've got to try something, not just for a couple of weeks or a month. Like you got to actually like dedicate some time to this before you mm-hmm. say that doesn't work and go to the next thing. I was, I had the opportunity to teach a class last week. It was a group of seniors and they were all sort of deciding about what to do next. The advice I gave was don't be afraid to go to a big company because they were all talking about like, what are they going to build? And I feel like there's something in the water now. And that's exciting. But I was like, don't be afraid to go to a big company and learn because there are going to be some, you know, you're going to have a ton of opportunities to see the full spectrum 
of all these various disciplines. And that in itself could be seed for the thing that you might think you want to build today. Or even there's entrepreneurship. There's like things you could do within that company. There is this movement just because of all the opportunity that's out there, I think, for people to like just strike it on their own right away. And I I worry a little bit because I think that there's so much to be gained by being at a company where you are surrounded by lots of different types of people doing lots of different types of work. And it gives you maybe more perspective of not just from the thing that you might do on your own one day, but what else is out there. Yeah, and there's a lot of really smart people and a lot of really smart ideas that come out of those big organizations. I'll give you an example. When I went to Goldman Sachs, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I was like, well, this is a great way for me to pay back my loans and um, get an education in being a, a basically an, a professional, like an executive, learning analytical skill set. What I ended up learning there was media, actually, because it was at a time where maybe your listeners won't even remember this, but AOL and Time Warner were merging. There was a big media company called Vivendi. It was imploding. And I was at, on the trading floor. And so these were topics. And I found myself really pulled towards media. And I was like, wow, this is something I really want to do. But I was like this, you know, first generation kid from Alabama. Like, what am I? How could I ever go be, you know, do anything in media? And I got great advice. Somebody was like, well, go to Hollywood. Go work at an agency because that's going to be like the graduate school of deal making and you'll build a network. And so that's what led me, you know, out to L.A. at the time. But just to say, I don't think I'd ever would have known that that was something I was even interested in had I not been at Goldman, which is a finance company. (laughs) Yeah, in a lot of ways, I regret and not really, but in some ways, I think like I, I went straight into just being an entrepreneur. I, I mm-hmm. never th- I never thought that I had another option for whatever reason. I just thought I have to go do my thing. And it was tough in the beginning. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think a lot of people I think the end is glamorized. Yes. But when you're sitting there in the middle of it and you don't have that job security or that yeah. stability or those benefits and you're just sitting there, you're like and you could lose everything. Mm-hmm. I think people should talk about that more. Yeah. Because I don't want to diminish anyone's um, desire to go and do that kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't think people talk enough about how hard it actually is. And you know what's interesting? The flip of that is there aren't enough examples of people later in life becoming entrepreneurs. If you think about what the gold standard of entrepreneurism is in the Valley, it's like Y Combinator. And that's a lot of young people who are living off of ramen noodles, like coming up with the next big idea. And it's very glamorous sounding not the ramen noodles part, but yeah. just like this idea of getting funding and just being able to work on your thing. But that actually makes it harder for somebody like myself, who, when we were raising our Series C, was eight months pregnant and had spent time at all of these different companies. And so there's something also to be said for maybe having a few gray hairs, having a little bit of experience, and then taking a leap. Yep. Um, so I like, I think, again, it's, there's no one way to do it. And it's, I think the more that we can showcase these different examples, hopefully people see themselves in it. I feel like there's like headline syndrome right now where people read a headline about one person that's, that's had a huge hit mm-hmm. and they feel like they have to do it that way mm-hmm. instead of what you're saying, like take your time, get your hands dirty, go work for a bunch of different people, see what fits, see what shoe is right. And then maybe have the wisdom and do it later on. And that's okay. If you, if you don't know right after school, like, or not even go to school and just say, I have an idea and 
that's a fine path too for those people who have that conviction, who have that the idea or the support. But if you don't, then as Lauren was just saying, that's totally. Yeah, a, I feel a fine like I just had well. to like fail my way up for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't think a lot of people think about it that way. It's not like it was like one win after the other. It was like a lot of mm-hmm. micro failures to get to you know where we are now. But that like going through that at the time. Like, I wish I talked more about that in the early days because I think if people saw, oh, like there's a chance you could just fail for years and years and years until you get there. I think a lot of people would maybe think about different approaches. Not to, again, not to dissuade anyone. If you're a born and bred entrepreneur, like by all means go. But I think glamorizing it, some people, like I will say, there's number twos, threes, and fours at companies that do a hell of a lot better than me, right? (laughs) And are set up, you know, with working with the smartest people. And I think that should be talked about more. Like you can plug into an organization and and really add value. The headlines come from all the successes, not necessarily the failures. Right. You have had two children. How have you created this massive career and had two children? What's the balance look like? Is there balance? I was just going to say, well, that assumes there's balance. Right. I mean, or Uh, I mean, I think I, I always say like there's, you, there's always a sacrifice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's always a sacrifice in anyone's life. There's going to be a sacrifice wherever it is. Uh, yeah, I don't believe in balance. I think that it's about calibration. There are some days where I am a plus CEO, but I might be getting an F as a mom. And there are other times where I'm feeling like the best mom. This morning before I left to fly out here, I wrote little note cards for my kids to have in their lunch boxes. And, you know, that's why I was like trying to ease my own guilt about not being there in the morning to see them off to school. So those will be the days where, you know, maybe I'm a, that made me feel like, okay, maybe it's not an F today. It's a, it's a C minus, but you know, it's, that's okay. I have to just decide on basically a week to week basis. How's this week going to look in terms of how much is going towards work, how much is going towards kids. And I'm going to add in there how much is going towards me. Um, And for me, me is like friends. Me is me and my partner. Me is me in a book. (laughs) So, um, and and they just, those bar charts just change on a week-to-week basis. I don't have any great advice because I I still think I'm working through it. And I ask people for advice all the time of how, how does it get easier? When does it get easier? What can I be doing better? The thing that I found that works for me is just whatever the hat that I have on, I'm present with that hat on. Yeah, that's so, great advice. Yeah. I mean, that is great advice. I think we had a very successful entrepreneur on this podcast, Jamie O'Banion, Beauty Bio, and she said something similar. She said she lays her head down on the pillow at night and she either was a 10 out of 10 mother or a 10 out of 10 CEO, mm-hmm. there wasn't, it was never both. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's really real. And I mean, that to me is kind of, it, it is, it is balanced. I feel the same way. It's like, sometimes it's like a Sunday and I don't have any work to do and I have no distractions, but other days it's like, you do have distractions from work. Yeah. I've just tried to open up dialogue with my, my daughter and be like, I have to go to work because I have to be able to afford bluey toys for you or whatever, like whatever her cartoon is at the moment. And I think just talking with her about why I work has been helpful for her to to contextualize it. I I, I think that's great. My son had a lot more grace for me when I worked 
on Fortnite than what <laughs> than the job that I do today, as he really understood that. <laughs> no, I I think that that's that's just it. And so when I'm with them, I put my phone away. I think that's really important. I know my own my own tendency is to multitask. You know, I will be in a meeting and I'll be you know on Instacart like trying to you know send groceries. I find that that's when I'm the worst of both worlds. It happens. It, it constantly happens. But what I try to do is be really present in the moment that I'm at. Yeah, that means now when I'm with my kids, the phone is away. If I'm on a date night, the, you know, the phone is away. If I am with my team, I have to trust. Kids are great. My, you know, my husband's got it. My mom helps a lot. She's got it and everything will be okay. So that I can just give my all to whatever moment I'm in. It's so gnarly. <laughs> it's like an octopus 24-7. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I I wonder, and I think that I'd be curious to hear, I mean, your point of view here is my husband works as well. I think he's better at compartmentalizing than I, I said, am. I'll tell I you said, what it don't is. you feel guilty when we have to leave the kids? And he literally straight up, he didn't even miss a beat. He goes, nope. <laughs> Well, he, you, and he doesn't. I feel terrible being away. Like we just had to go to LA for a few days, and mm-hmm. I was facing our daughter, and she's crying, and she wants. She's like, she doesn't understand. Yeah, but you don't feel guilt. No, no, I'll, I'll explain it. Okay. She, she doesn't understand why I can't just like be there in ten minutes. Like I got to yeah. go to, get on a plane, and I got to. It's a whole thing. She's so young, but I think, and this is maybe a male female thing. Men have not had the same kind of pressures from society that women have had, in my opinion, mm-hmm. when it comes to working. Right, I think. A lot of women are guilt tripped at times because they choose to be a mom and have a career where yeah. men don't feel that same pressure. Like we've other men are not turning to me like, you have a nanny yeah. or you're working. Yeah. No I, one's ever asked my husband if he has a not nanny. That, not that other and we work women, the same amount. No, but not that women are doing that directly to you, but some women and that, I, and I've seen this online with my wife, yeah. sometimes put an air out like, oh, you're not at home with your kid or you you have a career where I don't think men do that. So I think. One, probably that needs to change. But two, I think men inherently just don't feel that guilt because it's just a given that we would go out and be working and doing these things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's something primal. Like, I feel like I should be at work posting an Instagram podcasting with my baby on my back. Like, Like, there's something, there must be something like primal in the air with women where we feel like we need to like, like put, strap the baby in a papoose. (laughs) I think it is primal. I, I mean, I think, well, when you, birth your kids, your heart now lives outside of your body. Right. And it's still like connected in this really weird way. And so as much as I sit here and say, my goal is to be present, it's very hard to do that in practice. And I remember getting ready for an earnings call and my daughter called me crying because she wasn't feeling well. My husband's there. My mom's there. I know they've got it. I was so shook. Yeah. But I do. How old are your kids? Six and 10. You know, it's funny. Lauren and I work the exact same. We're doing the show together right now. Mm -hmm. And I have never once had anyone come to me like, oh, you have childcare or nanny. But I've seen people do it to her. Mm. And I find it strange because we're literally here together. Of course, we need it when we're not around. We have no family. I also, and I feel like you will. But I've never been guilt tripped is what I'm saying. I have, I would not be a fulfilled person if I didn't have my own work going on. That's not to say that that's for everybody. I'm talking about myself. Like I wouldn't be my best self if I was staying at home all day. So I feel like to show up for my kids in the way that I need to show up, 
I have to work. So that's where the, it's, the guilt comes in. Well, I think the guilt is most likely, in most cases, we put it on ourselves because yep. we're type A people yeah. who want to excel at whatever it is, the thing that we're doing. And so that shows up with school or was sorry, with our kids. And so I was actually just thinking about school where there was a big sale. I could just say no. So I say yes. <laughs> and I went and bought all the stuff <laughs> from Trader Joe's. And then I put it into these little homemade looking containers. And I was like, here's big sale. You items. do what you can do. That's efficient. And so, but I could have just said no. But then it's the night before and I'm making myself feel guilty because I'm doing this as opposed to actually baking. And you know, it's it's my own circus that's happening in my mind. But and I have all of these amazing friends and I say thank God for mothers who do work at home because let's be honest, so if you're at home, you are working. Yeah. <laughs> and they're they're helping keep those communities together. They're doing all of the work. I was just having to call a friend to help with pickup because I wasn't around. Like I I I have so much like gratitude for 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 that role as well it's not my role there are sometimes i feel like you like i'm so i i'm really glad that i'm i'm you know in this world and that's how i know i'm going to show up the best but there are definitely days where i wake up and i'm like yeah i wish i wasn't doing any of this and i was just like at home, home with on. my babies yeah. um oh it's such a tug and pull you know yeah. what though, i have empathy for that i will say and this is i think about this a lot now i think having children has made me a better businessman because i think like when the weekends come around everyone's excited for the weekend i love to be with my kids i'm like oh this is hard like i can come to the office it's not nearly as stressful mm-hmm. i have way way more patience here Having children, when you see, you know, if your child's sick or something going wrong, that level of stress is way different. Like something goes wrong in the business Mm -hmm. compared to a child getting sick. Like Mm -hmm. the business stuff is a cakewalk. And and I think what it's done for me is it's it's really put in perspective of what's really important. And with that, I'm able to take a lot of the emotional stuff out of work. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So my mom always worked, and so she was she role modeled that for me. And when I was growing up, she was also going to school. In fact, my mother graduated with her PhD the same time that I graduated my undergrad degree. Wow, look at that. Doing your thing later in life. Yes. Full circle. Full circle. I think it normalized like that that was also just the expectation that I was going to have out of myself because I saw her doing it. And I'm going to bring this full circle even, even further. So now, actually, when I took this job, I had a, you know, a talk with my family about am I... Am I going to become a public company CEO? Because this is going to be really intense for our family and our calendars. And my mom had just earned her, you know, kind of the pinnacle of her career, which she had become chair of her department at the university. She's there. She has her PhD in food science. She's a registered dietitian. She's a professor. And she was like, I'm going to retire because I can come help. And I want you to keep going. Wow, that's Ooh. amazing. And maybe your daughter will come to you and the yeah. same thing will happen. Yes. That's so cool because yeah. you saw her work the whole time and now she's coming back to maybe live out her stay-at-home mom dreams. Yeah. Zaza, Zaza's maybe listening to this right now. <laughs> maybe Zaza's going to come ask me yeah, when she, she grows up. You never know. Do you know that you can tell the difference between a laboratory-grown diamond and a natural diamond? 
I'm learning new things every single day. So lab-grown diamonds are mass-produced in factories in just a few weeks, and they're easily detected due to their distinct patterns. While natural diamonds are over a billion years old, and they support the livelihoods of over 10 million people worldwide. The positive impact of natural diamonds is widespread. Around 80% of the value of every rough diamond remains in local communities and supports infrastructure, healthcare, education, and environmental protection. You should also know your natural diamond also protects vulnerable wildlife species and brings prosperity to many less fortunate communities around the world. So next time you're thinking of celebrating a special moment in your life, choose a natural diamond. For more information, visit naturaldiamonds.com. That's naturaldiamonds.com. For those of you that have been listening for a long time, you know exactly what AG1 is because we talk about it all the time. But for those of you that don't know what it is, let me tell you what it is. AG1 is unlike any of the other supplements you take one scoop of it every single morning in water and drink it down. And not only does it completely replace your multivitamin, it does so much more. It's got prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and other whole food nutrients to soothe your stomach, promote gut health, energy, all sorts of stuff. Their formulation is based on the latest science and maintains the highest quality standards. And don't take it just from me, AG1's approach is published in peer-reviewed scientific journals. It's recommended by doctors and neuroscientists like Andrew Huberman, who's a friend of the show. And it's tested for 950 plus contaminants and NSF certified for sport. I love it because it's so easy to, like I said, you just add one simple scoop to water in the morning. And AG1 takes all the guesswork out of trying to combine the right supplements into your daily routine because it does it all, impacts it all all in one place. And of course, we have a special offer for you. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com skinny. That's drinkag1.com skinny. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com skinny. That's drinkag1.com skinny. Go to drinkag1.com skinny. That's drinkag1.com skinny. Check it out. The Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been a recent listener of this show, you might have heard the episode Lauren and I just did with Kathy Gilner, who's a licensed therapist. She wrote the book as a best-selling author called Good Morning Monster, which by the way, Dear Media is also producing now as a fiction podcast. In that episode, we talked all about the benefits of therapy, who should be in therapy, why you should seek it out, how to use it to your benefit, how your family members can use it. This is why we love the platform BetterHelp so much. BetterHelp basically puts online therapy in the hands of anyone from the comfort of their own home, their office, wherever they need it, without having to go all the way to an office, sit in a waiting room, and meet with just one therapist. Lauren and I have had so many incredible high performers come on the show and swear by the benefits of therapy. And we've had so many therapists on the show talk about how patients and everyday people can benefit by just talking their thoughts out with somebody on the other side. BetterHelp is cost-effective and convenient. Like I said, you can do it right from your computer, your phone, the comfort of your own home. No more getting dressed and driving to the office. So if you're thinking about starting new therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, like I said, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Of course, we have an offer for you. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com skinny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot Slash skinny. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash skinny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash skinny. BetterHelp.com slash skinny. 
So after all of the success that you had, why make the decision to go to Weight Watchers and become a CEO of a publicly traded company? Because to your point, like that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of time commitment. Mm -hmm. What was the draw? And especially because it was such a, a shift in industry. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I mentioned my mother is a registered dietitian. She has her PhD in food science. I grew up with healthy habits in our family. It was, I mean, I, and she, as I mentioned, graduated around the same time that I did. So I was, she was also studying all of these things always next to me while I was studying. I remember we used to plan our vacations around these nutrition of conferences. I never struggled with weight. I always moved a lot. I, I was athletic. And after I had my first child, I, I gained 60 pounds in my pregnancy and I had a hell of a time losing it. And you hear like, oh, I just like nursed and I lost the weight and I nursed. My, my favorite. That weight did not come off. I chased my kids around and the weight fell off. No, no. <gasps> what was that. that like? I remember being pregnant and being feeling really big and being like, I'm going to have the biggest baby ever. And then he comes out and he's like the smallest. Yeah, baby I thought ever. I was giving birth to Michael and that didn't happen either. I gained 60 pounds too. We talked about this off air. Yeah. What was it like as a type A person who wants to succeed in every single area gaining 60 pounds? And that's a trip. It was more that I felt like, what am I, am I doing something wrong? Because I had examples around me of women who just bounced back really quick. And also I wasn't feeling good. Yeah. Uh, I felt tired. I wanted to get back in my clothes to because I was going to go back to work and I didn't want to have to buy a new wardrobe. And then at postpartum, you're losing your hair. You lose that like beautiful pregnancy glow. And I just didn't feel good. And I tried every snake oil that was out there. I did whatever cleanse. I tried all these different things. And my mom was finally like, if you're not going to listen to me, just do Weight Watchers. And Weight Watchers worked for me. And so I always had this very positive association with the program. Come back to my second child. Same thing happened again. And by the way, keeping the weight off also became more difficult for me. And I think I found out with my second child, I, I also went back on Weight Watchers, but I was also diagnosed with thyroid disorder. And so I ended up realizing I had medically, it made it harder for me to lose weight as well. So now I'm on Synthroid. I've figured that out. But Weight Watchers ended up being this like accountability program for me to keep the weight off. And it was around, let's say it was COVID. It was 2020 because I was walking around my, my neighborhood. I remember in order to like close the day. I would take a walk around my neighborhood because I was working from home anyways. And I was listening to Oprah's podcast and she had on Tina Fey on the episode that I was listening to. And Tina Fey is a lifelong Weight Watcher. And she had said on the podcast that she wasn't on any social media, but she loved Weight Watchers because it was like this really beautiful community. And she could post like a photo of a banana with Cool Whip and you know, people will be like, that's awesome. We love that. And it was this really positive experience for her. And it was like this aha moment for me. I'm building house party at this time. I'm thinking about ways to, you know, make social better, make social more empathetic. And it occurred to me that this whole time I'm on Weight Watchers, that that's actually the OG social network. It was this way that people would get together 
in a very like as their truest selves with exposing a, ma- a a big vulnerability for a lot of people talking about their weight is a is a vulnerability and you have the shared interest though with all these other people who are also struggling and it creates this unique dynamic of like reciprocity where people support each other and creates this peer to peer accountability Anyways, it was like this big aha moment for me. I actually reached out to the company at the time and thought, hey, I love this program. I love this product. If you want to talk about ways to take it into a digital first era, I'd love to talk to you. Because the one thing that I did feel was I wanted to throw my phone against the wall. The the user experience wasn't that great for me, but it still worked. I happened to meet the CEO at the time. She introduced me to the board. I actually ended up talking to a few of the people. I even talked to their chief product officer at the time. And this was all done from a place of curiosity, excitement for what they were doing. Two years later, I got a call that's like, would you be interested in interviewing to be the CEO? So it was this wild, I, I think it goes like when we just, people talk about manifesting, what it really means is just like putting yourself out there and not expecting anything in return. That's what had happened two years prior and then had come to mind for them. That is a really cool story. And you're so right. There's so many people that ask, ask, ask instead of give, 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 ask Yeah. when it comes to a job. And even like when I'm interviewing people sometimes, like the energy of the interview is what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. And why would you want to bring someone on a team like that? It's almost like you give without expectation and then you get a really great, incredible opportunity and your ask gets met, Mm -hmm. but you're giving first. The nice thing was I just went into it with zero expectation because I was like, here's what I would do because I had been a member first. So I had a very clear eyed vision of where I'd want to take the company. You were a practitioner of it. Yeah. How exactly like walk us through, say someone needs to lose 60 pounds. Did you utilize the app to do that? Like explain from a granular level, because for me, when you say you lost 60 pounds with Weight Watchers, what does that mean specifically? Are you like counting points? Are you eating a certain calories a day? Like help me understand the systems that you took with Weight Watchers to get to lose the 60 pounds. It's what you talk about. It's habit stacking, plain and simple. It's behavior change. Have you heard of Blue Zones? Sure. Yeah. But explain it for people that haven't, because I would also need like a refresh of that. Okay, uh, the blue zones. Yeah. So blue zones are the place in the wor- places in the world where people have the most longevity. They live to be centenarians. They live to be a hundred. And the research that has been done about blue zones has shown that it's not just about what you eat or how you move. It's your social circles. And so what Weight Watchers does is yes, it's going to teach you how to eat and how to move, but more importantly, it's going to create the accountability. It's going to create the circle for you. So it's a behavior change program. The points program, it just gamifies eating. It makes it so that you understand what you take in impacts your body. How many points is a glass of wine? Six. How many points is a margarita? No salt. Skinny no salt is going to be five or six, depending on reposado versus not. How many points is a a piece of sourdough with butter? That's a good one. I think that I'm going to use this, the this, this version that I do at home, but I believe that's about four points because I have, I I get the thin slice sourdough. Okay. So. And does everybody have the same yeah, points? Yeah, does everyone have the same points? Yeah. Well, no. 
the food value is all the same points. How many points did you have? I have 26 points okay. a day, but I, then I also have amount of weekly points. So I bank those weeklies huh. for cool. wine most of the time. Right. But, so, <laughs> but, but like wine, and dinner, those, are, those are a lot of points. They add up, but yeah. there's also zero points. So like bananas, fruits, lean proteins, vegetables, all zero points. Oh. So you could have a full day where you have zero points. It's not just about calories in, calories out. What we're trying to do is also measure nutrient density. We take into account things like saturated versus unsaturated fats. Like you asked me butter. If you'd said olive oil, it would have been different on that huh. piece of sourdough bread. Fiber. All of these things get kind of calculated in the points algorithm. But more important than like how many points you're actually taking in or not taking in is the habit stacking. Is I talk to people all the time who are like, I didn't realize how much I was like late night snacking or I didn't realize how much that like those coffee drinks were adding up and they could make some like small calibrations to stay in their points budget. And I've had people who who realized, oh, you know what it inspired me to move more because when you move, you earn points. So you know, if I go to Orange Theory, I know I'm going to get a certain amount of points from it versus if I take a one mile walk. How much is weightlifting? How many points do you get back? Well, just it depends how, how long you did or and again, and then your your personal. You know, so if I weightlifted for an hour, I think my points back is going to be like five points. But like if Michael did it, it would be different. So it's all sort of cal. It's personalized. So people are going to weightlift to get their margarita with no salt. <laughs> yeah, right. so, so outside of, it sounds like, you know, people are using the platform first to come and potentially, you know, manage their weight. Yeah. But when you guys start working with clients, are there, is there a common thread where like maybe that people don't understand their food intake or they don't understand healthy habits around exercise? Like right, what are the yeah. main things that you help it's, people with? It's those things. But a lot of times it's just like the ongoing accountability. Like I said, it's like there's programs within the app itself. And then people can post about how they're doing. You can keep track of your your various like body analysis, whether I have a full body analysis scale, you can get them on, you know, for your Weight Watchers connected to your Weight Watchers app such that it gives you not only your weight, but also hydration, bone density, muscle mass, all of these things. We have a diabetes program. People are tracking their A1C. So we want to take into consideration the beyond the scale metrics as well. But the point being that it's just about awareness. And I think that that's the main thing. I remember when I was on Weight Watchers feeling very embarrassed that I was tracking my points. I'm just being very conscious. And, and this is a way for me to keep a budget. And how's that any different from keeping a financial budget? Why are well, I was people gonna... so concerned though what other people are doing? If like I feel, I, I don't understand why anyone cares how you're tracking your your points with Weight Watchers. Well, welcome to 2023. If people that's care what works for everything. you, I don't understand why people like can't mind their own business with no, that. But to your point, we t I think there's a few things that just, you know, people don't learn growing up and that one of them is finances. Another thing is basically proper nutrition and how to eat. I didn't know. You know, it's, yeah. I talk about this all the time. Like, I haven't struggled with weight, fortunately, but I, I have poor eating habits and I had to figure that out along the way. And it's by talking what to people like- What is your poor eating habit? No, what no, no. are you talking I'll tell about? You. You had a ch some chips in bed. What's no, no, no. I can't wait to hear. Poor this. eating habit was like I didn't understand how much protein. I didn't understand macronutrients. Okay. I didn't understand like you when didn't understand protein. Alcohol consumption. You don't yeah. realize never, this motherfucker has <laughs> never in his life 
had a craving and I've known him since he was 12. I've never heard him say, it's like my husband. Ooh, I'm craving like yeah. this. Yeah. But, the, but there's other like outside of weight. There's, there's, you can have a poor diet and have other things manifest and other things happen, right? It's not just. I think that you could, you would come from a real place of privilege to basically assume that somebody has, understands the education around nutrition. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, I don't and think... we've turned diet into a bad word where diet literally means habitual nourishment. And I understand the, you know, there are some, there's a lot of negativity around diet culture and for good reason, but that's really about a preoccupation with thinness. That's very different than being like, I need to understand how to eat well and how to live healthfully. That's, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I didn't, totally different I didn't understand yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, just eating kind of what yeah. you, whatever you want, whenever you want. And you know, Listen, here's the thing. I tell this to a lot of the young people listening. Once you pass 30, you know, it catches up to you. You can't yeah. just do whatever you want. Yeah. So, I mean, the hangovers these days, it's like a, I'm like a 70-year-old man if I have a drink. If I smell alcohol, I'm hungover for three weeks. But you know what's interesting, Michael, about what you're talking about is that goes to, I think, the course correction that our whole industry needs to have right now. And what we're trying to be very honest <laughs> about is what you're describing is biologically, you have less food noise. You don't sure. have cravings. Sure. You've been able to, you know, eat a bag of chips at night and you don't it's have fine. insulin resistance, all of those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and what and what we're realizing now because of the, you know, clinical interventions, basically, which is weight loss medications, is that, you know what, it's not just a matter of willpower for a lot of people. What is living with overweight is actually a biological condition. It's a hormonal condition or it's a genetic condition. Or it's environmental, by the way, because like think about all of the obesogens in our society now. And so the expectation that you can just eat differently, move differently and lose weight on its own. For some people, that's just not the case. For me, it was. So Weight Watchers behavior change program worked. But for others, they're going to need a clinical intervention. And so we're, you know, we have broadened our spectrum of solutions so that now through what we have a virtual clinic that basically can decide if it's medically appropriate for somebody to be on the medications and actually give them a prescription. But I think that what's more important is for us to take away the shame and stigma in that conversation. And Lauren, that's what you were just saying is like, why, why do people care so much? Why is this in the headlines so much? Why are we trying to judge how people lose weight if that's what they want to do? I just feel like it's their own prerogative with how they want to do it. And I really don't think it's anyone's business. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a health thing. Either way you look at it, it's their own healthy journey. And yeah. I feel like everyone's is different and everyone's going to get there in a different way. You mentioned medication. When you say medication, are you talking about the GLP-1? Yes. So, which is like semi-glutide and Ozempic? Correct. Yeah. So Ozempic is basically the trade <clears throat> name for semaglutide. It's also... Wagovi and Rebelsis. There are different trade names for the for the medications. And there's also some some other medications that are considered GLP-1s where the active ingredient is called trizipatide. Um, that's Manjaro. So it's a class of next generation medications, which basically address the connection between your gut and your brain and 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 help people who have that food noise who have genetic, biological underpinnings of living with overweight and obesity, it helps them to basically calm that food noise. It, it helps them to feel full 
so that they can actually adopt the lifestyle changes that you and I were able to do with hard work, with a lot of hard work after we had our babies. But for some, it's just like impossible without the medications. And that, I think, is a really key point because some people are like, oh, I'm just going to take the medications. No. What the medications do is it makes it easier for you to then go adopt the lifestyle changes, the lifestyle interventions you need to actually lose the weight and keep it off over time. Quick break for me to share some information that is absolutely going to change your life. And that is with our new partner, Momentus. If you have not tried the Momentous Sleep Hacks, you are missing out. We just did an episode with the CEO of Momentous, Jeff, on this show, talking all about the benefits of these sleep hacks. For those of you that want to know more, the sleep hack is a meticulously crafted blend of three natural ingredients, magnesium, L-threonite, which passes the blood-brain barrier, and we've talked about that on the show, apigenin, and L-theanine to help you achieve a restful and rejuvenating sleep experience. I take this almost every single night. I put it in my bag when I travel. It's been an absolute game changer. I'm sleeping like a rock. Benefits include improved sleep quality. Like I said, faster sleep latency so you can fall asleep faster, enhanced sleep depth. It supports relaxation and soothes the mind, and it's an improved cognitive function. So, we've talked about the importance of sleep on this show, not only for fitness, for weight loss, for cognitive function. I think sleep is number one. And what I love about this sleep pack is it's all natural and you can take it every single night without fatigue. Momentus also has so many other incredible products their collagen peptides, their whey protein. For performers out there, this is a go-to supplement brand. It's incredible. If you want to learn more, definitely check out the episode we just did with Jeff. It's a recent one. If you want to try the sleep packs or anything else from Momentus, we of course have an offer. Visit livemomentous.com slash skinny and use code skinny at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. That's livemomentous.com slash skinny and use code skinny for 15% off your first order. Livemomentous.com slash skinny. Drizzly. Drizzly is the go-to app for drink delivery. Boy, do I wish I had this when I was younger. I have it now. I actually use it all the time. Whenever I'm looking for a specialty whiskey or tequila, my first go-to is Drizzly. So what is Drizzly? Drizzly is the most convenient way to get beer, wine, and spirits delivered to your doorstep right when you want it. No more driving to the liquor store and searching around. No more getting in your car in bad weather. Drizzly's tailored experience lets you find the perfect drink for the equation. No matter what it is, you'll save time by shopping at a huge selection of drinks from wherever you are, and you'll save money by comparing prices and drinks across multiple stores. I love this platform so much. Like I said, I use it all the time to get all the spirits and wine that I want delivered straight to the door. Also, if you're like me and you wait to the last minute to grab gifts, Drizzly is the perfect app to give people a perfect gift. Just log onto the app, schedule what you want delivered, and boom, it's right at the door. Drizzly's also perfect if you're hosting friends at the house and then you realize you forgot something or don't have enough. Instead of heading out to the store, just have it straight to your door. So check it out. Quit wasting time. Save yourself some time and money. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and use code SKINNY to receive $5 off or $0 delivery fee off your next order. So head to drizzly.com and use code SKINNY. D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and use code SKINNY to receive $5 off or $0 delivery fee off your next order. Must be 21 plus, not valid in all states. Codes cannot be combined with any other offers. Not valid at all retailers. Code expires 11-3-23 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. When I got pregnant with Zaza, I became very intentional about the products that I use on my skin. And one of the brands that I absolutely love is Primally Pure. The move is the almond vanilla body butter. This is so luscious and thick and beautiful. 
There's tallow from grass-fed cows. I'm obsessed with tallow on the skin. It's so rich in vitamin A, D, and E, and K, and it really moisturizes the skin. Paul Saladino came on our podcast, and he talked about all the benefits of tallow on the skin. It also has like an organic mango butter in it, shea butter, coconut oil, and sweet almond oil. So how I have been using this is the Skinny Confidential launched this tool called the Body Sculptor. I'll like put the almond vanilla body butter by Primally Pure on my body, and then I'll literally use the Body Sculptor to like really sculpt it up my leg, down my stomach, and up my arm. It feels absolutely so luxurious, and I know that I'm not putting anything shitty all over my skin. It's just like non-toxic ingredients, which we love. It's organic and amazing. If you haven't tried tallow in your skincare yet, it's time. Use code SKINNY for 15% off your Primally Pure purchase. That's www.primallypure.com slash skinny. Use code SKINNY at checkout for 15% off your order. Visit primallypure.com slash skinny for 15% off your order. We've talked about this a lot on the show. I think the and we've had people like Peter Tia come on. And I, and I think to your point, there are some people that are medically candidates for this kind of stuff. But what we also see, especially coming from LA, that's where we came. There's a lot of people that may not be candidates that are like, hey, I need to lose that 10 before the wedding or I want to lose 15. or, And they're using this stuff. They're getting a doctor to prescribe it when they may not be a candidate. And again, I mm-hmm. don't necessarily care who yeah. what path you choose. But I think some of that, some of those people are making these decisions without having enough information. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes dangerous. Well, that's what's the headlines. The clickbait has been about that conversation. And I think that unfortunately it's taking away from the one that we should be having, which is that these are life-saving medications. I mean, the trials have just come out are showing that 20% of the people who are on these medications, and these were population that didn't have diabetes, they were 20% of them were less likely to have a heart attack, stroke, like, so we're talking about life-saving medications that are getting qualified as vanity drugs. Is there any downside that you guys have seen through all these drugs? Well, there are the symptoms that people have shared that the, the, the you know, the pharmaceutical companies have, have talked about. And that's why it's really important to do it alongside high support from a clinician. Unfortunately, most physicians aren't trained in any kind of nutrition or obesity management. It sounds like you guys are committed to this one niche thing. Whereas like if you get a general doctor, they don't know a lot about maybe obesity. Well, they don't know. And I can say this with no shade because my brother is a doctor and he will tell me he only had one nutrition class his entire tenure of medical school. And not only that, but they also aren't in a position to succeed because this is a medication that requires high support. You have to titrate throughout your journey. So the, the, the dosage should shift and you need a lot of lifestyle intervention alongside of it in order to make sure you're not losing muscle mass. You need to make sure you're eating, you know, protein rich diet. You have to stay hydrated so you don't have, you know, GI issues. You, there's, there's a, there's a lot of important lifestyle instruction alongside of this, the, um, actual clinical support. And so that's where, you know, that's why we acquired Sequence, which is a, the telehealth company. It's, you know, now the Weight Watchers virtual clinic because it provides that high support. We know now that all of our clinicians are trained in these protocols. So not only can the system, the platform itself do all of the insurance support, which is important because these 
these drugs are incredibly expensive, but it's a care team in your pocket. You get the registered dietitian, you get the fitness expert, you get the Weight Watchers program. You're doing all of the things alongside the medication so that you will hopefully have fewer symptoms, so that you will have a good experience on the medications and that you can hopefully maintain for longer. It sounds like you guys give someone the toolbox to lose weight with all the tools. And it sounds like the medication is like one tool in there if you want to use it to access it. What is a story, because I'm sure you've been around them all the time, that has really moved you when it comes to weight loss? Like you've seen all these stories, CEO. What's one that you can pinpoint that you're like, this was like my favorite? I mean, it happens to me every week because I still go. And the the most wonderful thing about, you know, I've I've worked on digital products my whole life. And so Weight Watchers is now, it's very much a digital first solution. 80% of our memberships are digital, but 20% still show up in person. And so I can go sit in the back of a meeting with my hat on and nobody will know who I am. And I can hear the stories from our members, first person. And I moved and Every single workshop I attend, I was just in one where somebody was talking about how, you know, they had, they were diagnosed, they were pre, pre-diabetic and she was seeing that her A1C had been, had lowered and she, they were celebrating her. You know, there was, there's a story recently I heard about somebody who had felt, you know, they'd been on the Weight Watchers program. It hadn't worked for them. They would yo-yo dieted their whole life and that suddenly that us embracing actually these this clinical pathway that it helped them you know feel like oh it's not just me it wasn't just me and actually in that case i'll be fully honest like weight watchers failed that person we were only providing behavior change we didn't know and now that the science has evolved and we've evolved and we've said it loud and proud that you know that that there we we need to be out there talking about a full spectrum she came back through sequence and has seen success and lost 63 pounds. Like, so those are the stories that where I'm like, wow, we're actually helping move health outcomes. And that's why everybody who comes to work at our company, that's why they show up every single day is because our because of our purpose of our mission. Who is a candidate? Like, say there's someone listening that wants to lose five pounds, 10 pounds, 30 pounds, 200 pounds. What's the perfect candidate? Well, or they want to lower their lower their A1C or they want to get stronger or they want to like there's all of, all of those all of those different dynamics at play. But if you're talking about who is the right candidate for Weight Watchers, I mean, anybody, because we have a full spectrum. So for some people, maybe you only have 10 pounds to lose. Then the behavior change program, we're going to help you habit stack. We're going to help you think about being more intentional about what you eat or how much you're moving, or you're going to have a community of people who are like-minded and supportive, you know, for somebody who, you know, comes in and is clearly had, you know, struggled with weight their, their whole life and visits with a clinician. And it turns out it's medically appropriate for them to be on the medications. Then that would be a new path, a pathway that we can offer. Now there's also, you know, what we call like the functional pathway, somebody who has diabetes and is trying to manage their their A1C. And so that's a very specific pathway and it's full spectrum and it's really about the person and whether this is a a journey or a need that they have. Speaking of habits and forming habits, what are like maybe three of the most common, I guess I don't want to say bad, but like maybe poor habits that Weight Watchers helps people break? 
eating late? Is it eating the wrong kind? Like what, or is it across the board different? Well, I would also say the thing about Weight Watchers is, is like, I think it's really important that none of these decisions are a moral failing, right? And that there is nothing that's not on the menu. And that's the whole thing is like, like I said, I save up my points for wine. You know, my go-to indulgence is those chili lime chips from Trader Joe's. Oh my God. Stop. Oh, so Why do you good. tell me about that? Now I want that. <laughs> They're so See, Michael good. doesn't have a craving. Michael's like, no, those, do sound, those sound good. <laughs> you know, I would say that a lot of the, the aha moments that we see where people have is the late night eating, the coffee drinks, like the, like the Starbucks, the, like the sweet. We have a lot of dupes now for Starbucks for people who are like, I love this. And it's like, okay, well, here is the you know, low point version of that drink that you love. Ton of sugar in those drinks. There's a ton of sugar in those drinks. I feel like you were up. like a Frappuccino guy when I first met you. No, no, no. It was a white mocha, but close. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> oof. I, uh. <laughs> and then the other one is just like not having a balanced plate, right? Is it's easier the way our food system works now. It is so much easier to eat high point foods, right? It's so much easier to eat processed foods. It's so much easier to eat things that are high in fat, high in sugar, high in carbs. And and when you start to be more intentional about what you eat and realizing, you know, zero point foods, grabbing the apple, you know, doubling down on the salad. My lunch today was a salad with chicken. It was a huge salad with chicken and it was zero points. Even the chicken zero points. Except for the olive oil I poured on it. Yes. The chicken was okay, zero so points. Okay, so protein sources are zero points. I think this is, Depending on this how is they're so cooked. smart yes. though because you are retraining or teaching people how to do it themselves and how to eat. But you're also mixing in the community element of in-person. It's in a weird way. It's got a little bit of an AA element to it. But AA is like one of the most successful people or one of the most successful programs for breaking addiction. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me that there would be an in-person community aspect of Weight Watchers because some people do have addictive behaviors around food. Mm -hmm. Well, and only 20% of our membership shows up in person. So we have to, you know, the important thing is that community aspect that you were just talking about also exists online. So you can have that, you know, share your, your, your struggles and your, you know, and, and what's working and what's not working or sharing recipes, people being like, let's get together. And, you know, I need a walking buddy who, you know, and those are the things that I think a lot of people have a hard time finding others to share a health journey with. And you know you're coming to a place where everybody else in this community is on a similar pathway to you. If someone's listening and they have a resistance to losing weight, but they want to do it, where would you tell them to start? Like, what's the first step? Maybe just resistant to it in general. Maybe there's noise from their parents in their head. What's the first tangible, easy step that they can take in the right direction that's not overwhelming. It's such a personal, again, going back to no judgment, no stigma, it's such a personal thing. So I'm going to take the resistance, meaning like they've just, they're overwhelmed versus like their resistance to wanting to do it. Because if that's the case, then they don't want to, right? And so that's, that's fine. But I think the most important thing when you're thinking about it is affirmation, honestly, because we're, there's so much internalized like weight bias and and feeling like I can't do it, getting over that. And that's where the community aspect is so helpful is other people saying, yes, you can. You're giving like, me Louise Hay vibes. Oh, you are It's saying you can't do it over and over is 
it may you may say it once a day, but then you say it every day for 365 days a year. You can't do something. You better bet your ass you're not going to be able to do it if you keep telling yourself that. Yeah, it's so true. The internalized noise in your head mm-hmm. to be able to start having a, a more productive conversation with yourself mm-hmm. really does set the tone. And I actually think that that's why it's so interesting that in that moment when somebody like actually commits to the journey, that is when they're the most motivated and and where we actually talk about going back to just like the product aspects of this is activation is like, how do we help somebody succeed in those first 30 days so that they're so pumped about what they're doing that they are incentivized, excited, motivated, optimistic about the habits that they're creating and, yep. and really thinking about how what we build in our program and our product can help somebody succeed. You know, it's funny, like doing this show for as long as we've done it now, I find the people that write in and ask questions can be around any subject that are maybe the most overwhelmed or the most stressed. It's it's just like it's a lack of first the information and then maybe other people that you're doing it with. And and I say like we just did this whole podcast around starting a health journey. And one of the pieces of advice is like find somebody that you can do it with and that's going to hold you accountable and that you're going to feel good, like going to an exercise with or going on a walk with or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think as soon as like, you know, Lauren and I provide a lot of information, you're talking to people like yourself, but it, it's really like mm-hmm. just pointing people in the right direction so they can get that information. Because it's the same thing around financial literacy. Yes. If you just don't know, you, you're it's the, the ignorance, and I mean that with just like a lack of knowledge, yeah. is what is the most stressful. Well, and I want to build on that. What's even harder is the misinformation. Yep. There's so much misinformation out there, especially about these medications. And people are self-diagnosing on TikTok and then going out and getting, you know, ordering stuff from compounded, who knows what, if it's actually semaglutide or not. And I feel like that is actually a major responsibility that we've taken in. This has been a company that's been around for 60 years. And what I can say about that is that 60 years has come with being like the most the evidence-backed program that there is. And also a brand that people trust and recognize. And so we take very seriously that we need to be able to be a place to harness all that noise and actually give people the 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 right sort of support and care to, to understand whether this is a medication that is appropriate for them or not. Because right now, people all over the internet are saying all kinds of wild things. Yeah, you can just take these medications and eat all the hot dogs and pizza that you want. And I was like, that's wildly incorrect. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's I think a, a a critical part of this is just ensuring that we're a place of trust where people can come and get medically sound advice. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like we know personally a lot of people that are doing this with great success using the medication, but they're working with a doctor. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're work they're thinking about their muscle and they're thinking about they're they're doing a lot of the right things, but they're working every month with the clinician. And then unfortunately, I know again, coming from LA, plenty of people who are just taking this stuff with no direct advice and just kind of doing whatever they want. And, and I worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should. But to your point, I think there are some people that are candidates. I think this is where the internet is so crazy because there's going to be success stories and then there's going to be some stories that go off the rails. But again, it comes down to information and, and where you're getting your source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to have you on Seema because you are such a great example of someone who's really nailed it with the entrepreneurial journey. And I think it's full circle for you after hearing your story to be the CEO of Weight Watchers. 
the house party stuff makes more sense now. Yeah, I just I wanted to understand too this. I think that this program can really help a lot of people who are struggling with weight. You were kind enough to give us a code. You guys can head to www.com slash TSC to see if you qualify. And if you do, you can use our code TSC25. You get your first month free. That is so nice. Plus $25 off your second month. So that's code TSC25 to get your first month free plus $25 off your second month. Seema, where can everyone find you? What if they want to message you? What if they want to go on the platform and find what you're eating and find your hot pot recipes? Home address and social security. (laughs) (laughs) I am on Instagram. I'm at Seema. I'm on TikTok at Party Seema. Love it. Are we calling it X these days? I, I, I guess. Now I'm reading I'm reading that bio, by the way. It makes more We're sense. We're calling it X because once you read the bio, you'll, it'll make sense why it's X. I think X is cool now after I've got the context around it. Well, he's been trying to make X. He tried to make PayPal X a long time ago mm. and wanted it to be the And I think that's what he's doing now. Anyways. I believe I'm at Seema Sistani. I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok these and days. And if people want to join Weight Watchers and they want to find your page on Weight Watchers, can they connect with you on there? Mm-hmm. Cool. Absolutely. So you're just search your name. I yeah, just search search my name, WWCMA there. And so the fun thing about being the CEO of this company is I get members to come along the ride with me. And so it was so great because it just felt like I had a team with me. Like weight loss can be a team sport at times. And so I love interacting with our members there. Babe, you've been my team. You've helped me. You've uh, he's helped me stay accountable. We've driven to the gym today together. I see those hot Cheetos going in the mouth at 10 p.m. I'm like, no, don't do it. it. <laughs> oh, the internet will eat you alive for saying that. They'll well, say, I, oh, fuck. Thank you for coming listen, on. They've said it all about me already. What else are they gonna do? Thank you for coming on. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. As a reminder, Weight Watchers has generously offered a code to our audience. Head to www.com slash TSC to see if you qualify. If you do use our code TSC25 to get your first month free plus $25 off your second month. Again, that's www.com slash TSC and code TSC25.